London. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. Uh, It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 uh, KXNO and 106.3 on the FM dial. We appreciate you joining us. And however you're listening to us this morning, we hope you can stay with us. Uh, for, well, as long as you possibly can. Here's what's coming up on the program today. BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Uh, just one guest in the first hour of the program, bottom of the hour or thereabouts, our friend Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. It is, after all, the eve of the NFL's first round of their draft, and we will do a good hit with Vinny Iyer on that. Of course, there's a big event locally here tonight. We'll talk a little bit about that with the, uh, the Fanatics. My partner Trent Condon's going to be a part of it, and it's Mistress Brewing in Ankeny, so we'll talk about that uh, coming up here. Um, but Vinny Iyer will join us at 10.30 from the Sporting News. It's Wednesday. That means Cappy, David Kaplan, who's on vacation, but he's going to uh, take time out from that and uh, uh, give us a good segment here this morning at 11.05. We will talk about the Bears and drive and pick number 20. We'll do the Cubs. We'll do the White Sox. And at some point, as he likes to play the ponies, we'll put Cappy on record as to get his derby pick. Of course, the Kentucky Derby this coming Saturday. And if you're so inclined, you can watch and wager uh, at Prairie Meadows. Uh, Post time, I think for the race, about 5 35, somewhere in that uh, area. And you go out there, you can make your bets. You don't have to stick around and watch it. You can come back, go back home, go to your, wherever you are. And... Um Check the results, and if you win, just go back and cash your ticket. Anyways, uh, Cappy at 11.05. And then with the iCubs on the precipice of baseball, mm-hmm. downtown Des Moines, sound good? It sounds great. Doesn't it? Uh, for the first time since 2019, our friend Randy Wayhofer will join us. What you can expect, they put out a really good video this past weekend. Um, it was with Cubby Bear taking us through some of the uh, the changes and some of the the protocols that will be in place. But Randy Wayhofer will join us, not Cubby Bear. Maybe he is Cubby Bear. Do you think he's dual duties? I don't duties? know. I guess if, if if the guy who wears the suit or the gal, I have no idea, doesn't show up, maybe he's pressed into duty. I have. Uh, anyways, Randy will join us. And we'll get the 411 on the uh, on the Iowa Cubs in their upcoming season. A lot of ground to get to. Let's first start with the draft, uh, with the event you guys have tonight at mm-hmm. Mistress Brewing. What, what is going on? So we're doing a mock draft, and it's presented by Graphite Construction Group. Russ and Chase and all the great people out there are a presenting sponsor of it. What it's going to be is starting at 4 o'clock, and actually about 4.20 or so after the first segment of the Fanatics. We're going to start, and people that show up this afternoon will have an opportunity to draft for their team. Now, I know there's already people that have been contacting and getting in contact and getting their team. I'm a Vikings fan. I want to get the Vikings pick. I'm a Packers fan. So those people have already been out there. But we're going to go through. We're going to have listeners, people that are out there tonight, make the pick. So Mm. number one. Trevor Lawrence. Pretty easy. Yeah. I, I would hope they get that one right. But, Trent, let me stop you right there. I know. Yes. Dace did this years ago. Mm-hmm. And in the very first pick in the draft, it, it went down here very quickly mm-hmm. because the Cyclone fan drafted, I think it was Austin Flynn. Okay. Number one overall. Well, here's the good thing. So, I have a draft board, and it has 50, the top 50 draft prospects. I put a top 50 list together. 
There's no Cyclone on there. There's no Panther on there. I did put Davion Nixon on there. Yeah. But it is, you're going to have to draft from this list. So you want to go completely off the board. Gotcha. I'm sorry. That's a good way to do it. They are not on our board for the KX and O mock draft. So because of that, yeah, we'll at least hopefully curtail that at least a little bit. But we'll be doing that uh, after the selection. Russ, who runs Graphite Construction Group, the owner, is as in-depth of an NFL draft fan that I have ever met. This guy knows his stuff. We were meeting on Friday, going through seemingly every single pick. He's sharp. He's a huge Chiefs fan. He's a little upset that the Chiefs aren't going to be selected here in the first round because be. of it. They got their yeah. left tackle. Right. But, you know, he wanted to have fun with yeah, the draft, too, gotcha. for what they're doing. But uh, he's going to be out there, so him and I will uh, commentate. We'll let our thoughts be known on whoever's selecting for whatever team, and we'll go from there. So we'll be doing that. Draft will start a little after 4 o'clock, and it'll go all the way until 6 o'clock with our mock draft this evening. So you've got two hours, not even two hours to get it in. You've got about an hour and 45 minutes to get mm-hmm. through all 32 picks. A few commercial breaks sprinkled in there. The beer will be flowing. Mistress Brewing, uh, for those of you who don't know where it is, it is in the what used to be the Dolls. There was Fletcher's, and then it was the Health Club. Or it was Fletcher's, and then it was Dolls, and then it was a health club. Anyway, it's a big complex. By the way, the Fletcher's restaurant, if you're from Ankeny, it, um, it, 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 I don't know why it didn't gain the momentum I thought it would. But apparently George Fomaro, mm. Centro, yeah, yeah. bought the place and is going to be opening something in what was the Fletcher's. It's essentially at, at um, Highway 69 and 18th Street. All right. There's, um, yeah, I mean, you can't miss the place. There's a Pancheros. Is this Pancheros? No, it's not. It's a, what's the bakery? Starts with a P. Perkins? No. There's a million of them in town. Is P. It, I think it's a P. Panera. Oh, okay. Panera Bread. Yeah. Uh, in, in the parking lot. You can't miss it. Well, the good thing is now anymore, Ken, everybody. There's GPS yeah, trends. Is you, that what you're You just tell punch me? it in and it just takes you right there. It's, it's incredible what I technology I can't get mine to talk to me. Oh, you want to get the mute off? Well, well, it was about two years ago. I, I showed you how to do that. And yeah, I, I told you. I was fascinated. It's by really, it. really easy. Yeah. Twenty nineteen. Ken finally uh, caught up on that one. <laughs> Mistress Brewing this evening. Stopping out this afternoon. Going to be a really fun time. Free beer. What? Uh, yeah, going to be free beer for a while too. All night. I mean, during the draft. Yeah, that's that's what what the word on the street oh, is. I so think we better tap the brakes there because <laughs> really, yeah, yeah. It might be your first beer. Maybe your first one. Right. That would make more sense. Yes. So going to have that going on. And also a $500 cash giveaway during the draft as well. All presented by Graphite Construction Group. Should be awesome. Mr. Brewing, stop out. We'll have some fun and uh, talk a little NFL draft this afternoon. I love it, Trent. The marketing team here kicks and all helping out all the shows. By the way, we will be giving away accordion lessons. Oh. (laughs) Not so much. Uh, anyways, but I'm glad you're part of it. But that sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. That sounds it will like be. fun. Anyway, so a lot going on. Uh, baseball last night, your Twins, uh, I don't know where to start. Cubs oh. likewise, two hits. Uh, good for the Cardinals. Nice win out of the Redbirds last night as they continue to play. Uh, they spin their wheels a little bit. Uh, well, one step forward, one step back type of thing. But um, uh, baseball was White Sox, okay. same thing too. See, they, I don't know how they lost. Well, Detroit, every now and then a team's going to beat you, right? I think the biggest story in baseball right now, and I didn't see this coming, Dodgers have lost 7 out of 10. Yeah. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. The Dodgers. I mean, everybody's going to lose a couple, three. Yeah, yeah. But with that pitching staff? Was it two years ago the Dodgers, though, were like... Weren't they like 15 and 26 or something like that? I, I think remember. that was two years ago. Was it? And then they completely got fired. They were close to 10 games under 500, if not over 10 games under 500. 
and went on and, of course, became the Dodgers. So these little 10-game stretches, 50, even 20-game stretches, I know in the moment we overreact, but you still look overall and you look at the Dodgers there is nothing, nothing at all, that I would be pushing the panic button for. Unless Angel Hernandez gets the plate, and he did last night. Trent, I don't know how this guy has a job. I, I mean, we could say this every four days. Yeah. You know, when he gets, when, he, when the rotation works around, he goes from third to second to first in the plate and rinse and repeat. I have no idea how this guy's in the league. He tried to sue the league. Uh, discrimination. He lost that right before the season started. He thinks he was holding, being held out of postseason uh, that they were discriminating against him. No, They're, you were held out of postseason because you blow. You're awful at your job, and you shouldn't be. You shouldn't have this job. But apparently, it must be a very strong union because year after year. And I think he's a crew chief. Oh yeah, I yeah. think he's a crew chief yes. with the seniority he's got. Anyways, so let's get to the, what might be the biggest story here uh, that we are um, going to embark on in the next few weeks, months, um, with an end date, hopefully. And it's not Iowa soccer, though. That was nice yesterday, getting so the help win. Me out with that, they beat so. Campbell. They move on in the NCAA tournament. They get the number three team in the country. Iowa UCLA. soccer, yes. That uh, that's about all we have on the local front. I right don't now. think Iowa soccer has ever come out of my mouth. I, probably not. Right. Probably not. It's not a big talker. Well, it's their first ever NCAA tournament win. So yeah. is this but men or women? This is women. Okay. I don't believe there's a men's I have team no idea. at Iowa. At least there wasn't when I was there way back in the team. I was the PA announcer for Iowa women's soccer. Were you? Yes, I was. That's where you got your start. <laughs> that was that was my start right there. And then uh, I didn't show up for a Friday meet. Yeah, that's not good. Well, it was FAC, and I kind of forgot about it. Yeah, well, those things happen when you're the When you're 18, age, yeah, right? things are a little bit different. So, But this do, does deal with college sports, it I think, does, is where you're going. Yeah, it's college football, Trent, and it's the expansion of the playoff, and it's coming, and it's just uh, what shape, form, or fashion it is going to uh, come out in. And as we talked, I think, a couple of days ago, when this seemed to be picking up steam, 12 seems like the number that... Uh, that most college presidents and decision makers are kind of zeroing in on. Um, and that would be that the first four teams in the final edition of, uh, not the final edition, the penultimate college football playoff rankings, the rankings that come out right after the championship games, those would be in place. And then the top 12 teams would go from there with teams one, two, three, and four. So last year, and let's use last year's top 12 as an example, this is what we would have had last year had this been in place for 2020. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame all would have been given buys. Meanwhile, number five, Texas A&M, would have uh, battled number 12, Iowa State. Cincinnati at 6 would have played Georgia at 11. We saw that game. Wasn't that the Peach Bowl? It was, yeah. That's what I thought. Uh, number 7, Indiana would play 10, Florida. And number 8, Oklahoma would play number 9, Coastal Carolina. So in the scenario from last year, there would actually be two group of five teams that would be participating. So the winners of those four games, 5-12, 6-11, 7-10, would be reseeded. With the highest surviving seed taking on Alabama, dot, dot, dot. So essentially what it would mean, it would be for the teams that have to play the first weekend, the potential of playing, obviously, an extra game. So for those, two, for those schools, should one advance all the way to the championship game, they would play one more game than the teams with the bye. So you're looking there at a 16-game 16, uh, 16 schedule. 
as opposed to a 15. If this comes to fruition, though, you left out a team. Oregon would have been in. Oregon, as the Pac-12 champion, would have been so, in. So, but that's that's going off champions. Yes, and everything that I have read, that is going to be a part of it. Not only that, but a big caveat. I believe this is from... Well, that's true, because last year's rankings were so messed up because right. the Pac-12 didn't... Yeah, right. The, uh, the top four, the buys, if mm-hmm. you will, would come from conference champions. Mm-hmm. Not just the top four teams. Notre Dame last year was in the ACC for all intents and purposes. Right. They would not have received a buy because they did not win their conference. So then you get down. Well, it couldn't have been Texas A&M. It would have been Oklahoma that would have received that buy. Because yeah. if you're going champion, right, right. So that is something that, and this is where you're trying to get into this marriage. And this is the thing that I love about college football is it's not easy. It's not 32 mm-hmm. teams like the NFL, and you come together, and you make a bracket, and this is the way it goes, and you can try to balance schedules as easily as possible year after year. It's not what this is. You have conferences that play different number of games. You have round robins in the Big 12 as opposed to the ACC and SEC that just play eight, and on and on and yeah, on. Yeah, I it's wish different. everybody was running the same course, Trent, but the, may, may, maybe this will spur that? The only way that that will spur that is if teams get left out because, well, this team played nine conference games. Mm-hmm. You only played eight. That's the only way. Ultimately, I think that's well. Whatever it is, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of heavy lifting between now and 2023 because uh, that's what it'll be. These two years are locked in. Bill Hancock has said as much. Mm -hmm. 2021, 2022. The earliest this could change is 2023, which is better than 2025 because Mm -hmm. that was the original first opportunity to change. And well, why is it 2023? We were always told by. Hancock. Con- uh, TV contracts. There it is. ESPN, look, ESPN owns everything. ESPN mm-hmm. can do what they want. Right. But, you know, when the window for opportunity to start talking to other people begins. Right away here. Yes. Right. And that's why this conversation sure. is starting, is because right now ESPN has an exclusive window to negotiate the next contract. This goes to the NCAA basketball side. Remember when CBS and Turner re-upped, they got a really good deal out mm-hmm. of it, too, because Bill uh, uh, Mark Emmert did not take it past the opening right. window right. that CBS and Turner had. And he was heavily criticized yes, for doing just that. As he should have. Right. NCAA football, and Bill Hancock, most importantly, will not do that. Hancock? Yeah. He talks out about... Show me the money. Both sides of his mouth. Right. This is a guy that said for years we're never going to have a playoff, and right. what do we have? A playoff. Right. This is a guy that now had to What be, do you have? We're going to have a bigger playoff. Right. We're never going to have a bigger playoff, and we're going to have a bigger playoff. I, I wonder if the um, uh, the shortfall in athletic departments was uh, was spurring this conversation along. Does, did that do anything? Because there's going to be more money on the table, for sure. Um, I think that probably had something to do with it. You know what? The, the, the big blowback that you're going to hear from some is, oh, this can completely kill the bowl system. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is. You know why? Coaches are on board. Coaches participate. Coaches get bonuses for bowl games. They're going to want their team to win a bowl game. If they do, they get more money. The bowl structure, how it will look then going forward. Because last year, Northwestern, Iowa, didn't had okay seasons. BYU, a little disappointing. And now you get a shot at maybe a next step up bowl game. Are we just crossing off the New Mexico Bulls of the world? I know because because whoever coaches in that game is going to get a bonus if their team wins, or or just getting to the bowl is an extra fifty thousand in your contract. But we struggle to get bowl eligible teams. Is this going to become where four and eight teams are now making bowl games? 
so so why why would we why would because we... you're taking 12 teams away? Usually it is right on that number number of bowl eligible teams. Well, I... those those games will be air quote bowl games, wouldn't they be? No, wouldn't no. the Outback Bowl be a bowl, would be uh, no. one of the play? You think there'd be additional games? Yes, the first round. And if it's 12, the 5-12 game, the 6-11. So it's essentially four extra games. Yeah, those will be played on campus sites. Then you get to the quarterfinals, 1-8, 2-7. Those, I don't think they're part of the bowl structure. You're going to ask a team to, if they make a run, Mm -hmm. go on the road four consecutive weeks, go from, all right, you're going to start things off, and you're in the pulling weed eater bowl, Mm -hmm. you're going to go to Mobile, Alabama, and then the following week you're going to go, all right, now you're in the holiday bowl, let's go, let's send you to San Diego. And then the following week... I just I don't see the reality of doing that, and with it, bringing fans with it. I think this is going to be something that the structure is going to be. You're going to see games played on home campuses. The first one, yeah, the first round, like the the, fir- the play-in round, if you yes. want to call it that, and even the quarterfinal round. I don't know how because quarter you're still talking about three straight games, right? Uh huh. Three consecutive times uh-huh. going to a quote unquote neutral destination, a bowl. I don't think that's likely, is it? I could see the first one for sure, but there won't there be cities that that want to get involved and bid for these games? Well, yeah, there's no doubt. The first one for sure is a home. So, so I let's just use. I'm just going through the 12 teams that were ranked last year in, in a weird year, right? Iowa State would have had to go take on A and M. So A and M gets a home game, then Iowa State wins. And they would have, they get, uh, they're the 12, they would have got Alabama. So where's that game played? Alabama. Is it played in Alabama? In my scenario. In your scenario. And then you get to the semifinals. And then you get to the semi, and they are the. Uh, it could be a rotating right. part of the Bulls. I think this year it's the cotton and the orange, maybe? So, yeah, and say that's the case. So the Rose Bowl isn't part of the structure, say it's happening this year. Mm-hmm. And we get there, and the standings play out the same way. So your your Rose Bowl would be six, well, in this scenario, say the highest-ranked Big Ten team would have been Indiana against USC for the Rose Bowl. And then the Sugar Bowl would have been, who didn't qualify out of the Big Ten, Texas, our Oklahoma State against, ooh, where's the SEC team? There's Florida? Florida, yeah. I, but what's that do to the Bulls? And then that trickle-down effect that leads to... The Outback Bowl is 5-7 five five and, seven and Nebraska. Seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might have to have one of those. But isn't there, aren't there usually years where a, I don't know, a Sun Belt school is 6-6 mm-hmm. six and six and, and they don't have a dance partner? Every once in a while, yeah. 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 They're max schools. You see that mm-hmm. from time to time, too. So if we have to let a 5-7 and seven team play a 6-6 six and six team and you have to play that game on December the 20th in wherever, it's content. Mm-hmm. And ESPN wants content. They do. And William Hill, DraftKings, FanDuel, Bet Fred, Bet Rivers, they want content. Right. Um, it's happening. It is. It's happening in some structure. I'm not a hu- I like pure brackets. So For- you want to do you want to do 16? I would rather 16 as opposed to 12. I'd rather have 8, I think as opposed to 12. Like you said, it feels like all the momentum is heading to 12. To 12 uh-huh. at this moment. And the and the meeting the the meeting where these decision makers mm-hmm. are going to get together is coming up. It's in June. It's like the third week. I, I saw the date. Late June. If it's twelve, if it is this number, it feels uh-huh. like it's trending. 
Champions of the Power Five right. automatic bid. And the highest ranked group of, group of five. That's only one. You're only right. going to give one. Right. You're not going to say... No, and then I think you go to the, the college football uh, bowl rank. Uh, but, but we know these playoff rankings are very, very slight. Well, somebody's, against... uh, well, somebody's got... Last year they weren't. Oh, sure they were. Coastal Carolina was in. Since he was in, they had they had two of the top twelve spots in that structure. In mm-hmm. a structure that they they weren't close to getting into the real playoff format. And if this playoff format comes to fruition, should co- Louisiana Lafayette shouldn't they been in front yeah, of Iowa State? You can make that argument. Uh, no. They they were nineteenth. No, Iowa State was twelve. Right. So no. They had the Raging Cajuns beat them by I, I, seventeen I the, in Jack. I saw the game. They had three losses. Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Lafayette had one. Mm-hmm. The results not matter, or well, does it just not, matter your affiliation? Not to the not to the folks that are the decision makers that did. Well, and that's why if you want to make this and you want to get kind of the excitement of a bracket, I think you have to open up. Even if you go to twelve, you have to open it up. So more who than one. who ultimately is making this decision? Because this is Hancock. This is uh, no, but it's not going to be Bill Hancock that's going to say I want Louisiana Lafayette. <laughs> right, right. So who's is it the is it the bowl committee that meets in Dallas every week? Yeah, it'll still be this same committee. So do they have different uh, different set of rules put in front of them? Because the, this committee that's met year after year since this started, I mean, last year they had Iowa State 12 and uh, the Raging Cajuns 19. What if you take the top seven conference champions? And and, mm-hmm. and put it that way. Because Oregon, in this format, were they, were they 24, I think, after? Wait, well, you know what? Let me, I thought I had it. They were 25th. In the rankings before the bowl games began, the final regular yep, season I see, rankings. I see them. USC was twenty one. Yep. Uh, Oregon was twenty five. And was that? Are those the only two? Yeah, those are the only two teams from. But the Oregon football. won the Pac twelve. Uh-huh. But in this system, With, they would not have qualified if you just do top well, seven. Last year's so difficult because Oregon it, it was, was four and two. But it, let's just say there's a year like that. Let, let's say there's a no, year. There's no more pandemics in our lifetime trend. No, I don't. I won't. Let's say this. It is a year in the Big Ten West uh-huh. where Iowa. Wisconsin and Northwestern all tie at five and four in the conference, and Iowa actually lost another game in the non-conference to Iowa State. They're seven and five. They go to the Big Ten championship game. They upset Ohio State at eight and five. Mm-hmm. They weren't ranked. They sneak in at number twenty-three, but still, that is not good enough to qualify because you have the four other major conferences that have teams that should qualify, mm-hmm. and you have an undefeated team from the Sun Belt, and you have a one-loss MAC team. Those automatic qualifiers, top seven conference champions. So, what? Give me, give me your other two. Uh, give me your other two conferences that you want in. I, I, I don't. I just want that. The next group. The what do they call it? The group of six. The group of five. What is that? What it is? Uh-huh. The group of five. Power. Yeah. Group of six. Isn't six? I think it's five. But anyways, that no, not automatic bids out of there. Just at least two. Where do you put Notre Dame? They're on their own island. Yeah, figure it out. They got to get in at large. That's their only shot. Join okay. a conference, or okay. you got to get in as, in as at large. Um, so five group of group of five, group of six. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm, we're we're out of college football, aren't we? Yeah. So so let's let's say six. Let's uh, so um, th- then the top two teams from we're going to put the AAC champion in, right? Most years, I think so. What other conference floats your boat? Uh, Sun Belt. You want to put the boat in or the belt in? Do you? Some years, maybe it's Conference okay. USA. Maybe okay. it's the MAC. All right. If there's an undefeated MAC team. Yeah, put them in. Don't just put down the caveat that it has to be from this conference, from that conference. There's going to be years that yes, Cincinnati last year from the American should. There's going to be years though that that isn't the case, and because of that, I think it's 
just opened up at least two of those bids. Group of five. American Athletic. Yep. Uh, Conference USA. Yeah. Mac. I think so. Mountain West. I missed that one. See, the Mountain West because Boise State, and uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're a juggernaut. And the Sun Belt. Okay. So now you're up to eight. No, you're up to seven. Group of five. And then two more. And two more. Okay. Conference, seven conference champions and five at-large bids. Wild cards. Whatever you want to call it. It's not as easy as you think, is it? It isn't. Uh, so some heavy lifting going to be required here. So the the the, um, the group of five schools will change on, on a yearly rotating basis. Because last year, last year was so goofy. Yeah. The AAC for sure would have got one. For sure. Let's I mean, go. Cincinnati's in. Let's go to 2019. Would that be more fair? Well, it was a normal year. It was a, more of a normal year. This is what it looked like going in after the conference championship games. Okay. Your top four. LSU, conference champion. Mm-hmm. Ohio State. Conference champion. Clemson, conference champion. Oklahoma, conference champion. All right, so we've... So the Big Ten was left out? No, Ohio State was two. Okay, yeah. what, 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 power five, uh, what power five conference was left out? Well, it's what, Pac- the one that always is. Yeah, Pac-12. The okay. Oregon was number six that year. Okay. So they're in. So mm-hmm. the way that it sets up there, let's see. Who would qualify then out of that next tier? Out of the group that we're talking about? You have to go down a ways because you get through Baylor, Wisconsin, Florida, blah, blah, blah. All the way down to Memphis would be in along with Boise State. Appalachian State also had a really good year. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati was there, Navy. But in this scenario, the way it's set up, Memphis and Boise would be in. Along with them, your conference champion is Oregon. Mm-hmm. So we're up to eight, eight teams now. Mm-hmm. We got four more to go in terms of a large bids. It would be Georgia. Who was eleven and two? And what? And what are you going off of here? College football playoff rankings. Yep, this was the okay. final playoff rankings. Yep, Baylor would get the second at-large bid. Mm-hmm. You need two more: Wisconsin and Florida. And then you make your bracket, and away you go. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I would like to have seen Oregon get to host in this scenario. It could be Florida. Florida going up to Eugene in December. I could be pretty fun. I'd like to see Boise State get to host a Florida team in December. And in order to do that, you probably got to be undefeated. You have to be undefeated. Sure. Coming from that structure, and there's a possibility of it. You just got to earn it. Well, it's coming, folks. And um, ready or not, 2023 seems like that's the most logical. So what about our independents now? We didn't include them. We didn't include like a, a BYU. We didn't include a Notre Dame. Notre Dame's got to be... Can two independents get in? Sure. If they're at large profile, okay. say it. Okay. I mean, they all go into the same hat. It's mm-hmm. the same structure. Remember college basketball for a long time. There were a lot of teams that were independent, certainly back in the 80s. DePaul for a long time. Florida State before they joined the Metro. I think Louisville might have been for a year. Notre I think Dame they were was. for a year. Yeah. yeah. There were these programs that did it, and they figured it out that time. You'd be able to figure it out. If it's a year where... BYU's undefeated and Notre Dame's one loss. Yeah, they get two of those five at-large bursts. You can do it. You can make this work. I can't wait to see how it unfolds, and it seems like it's going to. All right, it's time for another $1,000 home run. You're going to throw me a bone, right? I mean, he hit three. Three. Oh, he did, and, well, as you saw, I got in here late. I didn't get it ready for you. I will have it ready in the 11 o'clock hour, though. Vladimir Guerrero putting on a show last night. That was incredible. Time for another $1,000 home run. Enter the keyword summer at kxno.com for your chance to win $1,000 that summer 
at KXNO.com. Vinny Iyer on the draft next. Miller and Condon, where does the draft start? At one. No, it doesn't. Trevor Lawrence is one. Where does it start? Oh, I get what you're saying. At four. I think six. You do. You think it's the top five is locked in? I think they are. Well, what's the order? Well, I think it's Lawrence, Lawrence, Wilson, Jones, Pitts, Chase, Miami, you're on the clock. I think there's going to be a lot more movement than that. I wish we could bet on it. Yeah, I wish we could too. I wish, I I can't believe we can't. I think it would be popular. I really do. And I don't think they, I mean, they're taking bets all across the country. I don't (laughs) think that the bookmakers would be. Disappoint. We can't have I win there. They're too smart. <laughs> no, no, it's not that at all. No, it's not. It's, it's just the legislation. I the don't way it's understand written. it. I thought it was going to get uh, get done this year. It didn't. But Vinny name, image, and likeness is going to get passed either. Uh huh. That's coming. Jordan Bohanna wasn't real pleased about that in his interview yesterday. I heard that. Just some of the comments. Yeah. <sighs> there is Bohannon fatigue, and it's it's uh, more prevalent than you would think. Or maybe it's cesspools or Twitter's a cesspool. Might have something to do with it, too. Yeah, that does. 1030, Vinny Iyer, on deck, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO 106. Experience. Uh, 1035 here on a Wednesday's 1460 KX and 0106.3 on the FM dial as promised. Although we're a few minutes late, our friend Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News, Northwestern grad, three-time Jeopardy champion, and covers the NFL for SportingNews.com. Uh, Vinny joins us. Vinny, as always, thank you. Trent and Ken in Des Moines. How many words, Vinny, have you written on this NFL draft? Do you have any idea? Uh, I don't want to think about it at this point. Uh, I'll let you know. Maybe I'll just put it through a word count simulator. But I have been writing about this really since the last draft ended. And and at one point, you know, I developed in, redeveloped, I should say, to the mock draft guy for Sporting News. And uh, there's a long time uh, that I've looked at the draft and looked at it from different perspectives. Back in the day, we actually had uh, Todd McShay, and I would edit a lot of copies. I learned a lot over the years about draft prospects and how to analyze players. And it's been fun to get back into it, uh, doing it year-round. And I kind of try to look at uh, players in a different way in the sense that uh, do they make sense with these particular teams and would these teams think about it more? Because in the end, we just want to find out is our team interested in this guy and why would he make my team better? And that's what I'm trying to hopefully bring to everyone as they check out Sporting News. Vinny, uh, it's a fun process. It's a process that everyone that likes college football or the NFL feels like they're an expert on it, and most of us are wrong. Well, we know NFL GMs for the most part about 50% wrong, especially in the first round here. As you go through, we were just having a conversation. When does the draft start? When does it become a little bit hairy? Some people say at number three. One and two are locked in. Ken thinks it's locked in all the way to number six. Where does the draft start for you where the intrigue really begins? Well, I'm going to watch Atlanta at number four. I know right now they're attached to Kyle Pitts, but now there's all kinds of other things going on that they could use that as a potential to trade down. They are now talking about a Julio Jones trade that's being rumored, and I think that's not the worst move here because you can get something for him still now. 
he's had a lot of injuries. It's, the decline is going to happen. I mean, we've seen it with AJ Green. It's going to happen. He's played a lot of football. He's going to be on the other side of 30. So if you can make that move, do it during the draft and maybe move around if you're the Dolphins at four. So that's the team I'm watching for. I feel pretty confident right now that Cincinnati and Miami will stay put because they can address many needs there, either team, to help their quarterback. So I think you feel pretty good about that. The Lions are a bit of a wild card I now. I have no idea what them or the Panthers will do, and I think the pick of the Lions will have a great effect on the Panthers and shake things up potentially in the entire first round. So, yeah, I think it definitely starts with four. Then you do a little bit of a jump at five and six. Then seven and eight will be interesting. If the Broncos stay put at nine, I think they have to go quarterback. And then you get into that trio of NFC East teams, all unpredictable to me, the Cowboys, uh, Giants, and Eagles there at the 10, 11, 12. Yeah, so, so Vinny, my scenario, I've got, of course, Lawrence and Wilson, uh, one, two, and then I'm going to jump on board with Mac Jones and he's Shanahan's guy, and that's who he identified. You don't make the move without knowing who you're going to take. So I'll go, I'll go, I'll go Jones three. I'll stick with Pitts four. I went back and forth between Sewell and Chase at five to Cincinnati, and I settled on Chase. But then once I get past that, then I, you know, you can make the case. I, I still think that Waddle will go to Miami. And then seven, I couldn't agree with you more on Detroit. I think they're in a really good spot at seven. And then Carolina, is there a team that has to have a, a Fields or has to have a Lance? And they're scared that Denver's going to take one of those two guys at nine. So I think Carolina might be in play at eight. Um, where do you think, if the Lions stay put, Vinny, where, where do you think they would go? Would it be, would it be Sewell, who potentially still could be there, or could it be wide receiver? Where do the Lions go? Well, I think why it's so hard to project the Lions and Panthers picks is they have multiple needs. These, these are teams looking to upgrade in many different areas, and they're also dealing with new GMs. So their philosophy may have changed from what you know and trying yeah. to read into it. So when you look at the the Lions, I think the mindset you have to embrace is they're making picks for the future. I mean, that's why they made the Matthew Stafford deal more so for the extra draft picks than acquiring Jared Goff. So they're thinking about something down the line, two or three years. They're not going to compete in the NFC North anytime soon. I mean, Chicago just made the playoffs as a 500 team. The Packers have been dominated, they're dominating the competition here. The Vikings are pretty solid as well. So they're not going to crack into that for a while. So I'm thinking they're going to go best player available. And to me, there's a good chance that it's going to be Sewell at this point. If the Bengals go Jamar Chase, I, and I think there's very good logic behind the Bengals going Jamar mm-hmm. Chase. I mean, you got three great weapons there for Joe Burrow. I mean, T. Higgins turned out to be a very good pick. So you go there, then the Lions, would you think about Micah Parsons? At some mm-hmm. point, he might have been a good fit, and maybe he is with a trade back for Detroit. I don't think you'd go back-to-back corner. You already did that with Jeffrey Okuda in last year's draft. So I think that gives us a little bit of clarity. Wide receiver is definitely intriguing, but this is a team that needs multiple wide receivers. I mean, they were completely wiped out here of wide receivers, and there are some good values for different styles of receivers later in the draft. So if I would put it all together, I'd say Sewell, if the Bengals pass on him, that's where I think the Lions would go if they stay put. There's all these kind of uh, factors and caveats you have to put into all these picks. But i say they go with Sewell, and then if Sewell's gone for the Panthers, it's going to be a tough decision for them, but I think the next guy that I think is right there is the best player available, and you know he's not going to be 
lasting very long on the board is Patrick Sertain. Mm-hmm. I just think he's separated himself because you've had some things behind him that have fluctuated between J.C. Horn and Caleb Parley and Greg Newsom. So I, right now I see that as going Sewell, Sertain, and maybe any order there between the Lions and Panthers. Yeah, I don't think Sertain gets past 10 for sure to the Cowboys. Want to go to 14. The Vikings sit there. They have 10 picks coming up in the draft, including four in the fourth round. One thing they don't have, though, is a second-round pick. Now, of course, somebody high on their board falls to them at 14, but with Rick Spielman, we know a guy that loves wheeling and dealing here in the first round and the first couple of rounds of the draft. Do you Would you anticipate the Vikings would be one of those candidates at 14, and maybe especially if there's a quarterback that's slipping, that would be a candidate to trade back out of 14? Well, I, I look at the Vikings, and uh, for the record, uh, somehow I got their two picks right last year nice. for everything that went on with, with Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney. I don't know why, so now there's pressure on me to kind of have a mind meld with uh, Rick Spielman to figure out exactly what they're doing. But, yeah, the Vikings have stockpiled picks, so they don't necessarily need to trade back. I think quarterback, it's a sneaky move there, and they would probably invite anyone look. You know New England wants a quarterback right behind us at uh, 15. Hey, guys, if you want Justin Fields, and I don't know if they are willing to make a deal with the Bears in the division, but maybe more inclined to do that with Washington. But they're going to be ready on that phone if Fields is still on the board to say, look, we've got a very valuable pick. People want to jump the Patriots and uh, make this move because everyone knows if Fields is there at number 15, I think it's a no-brainer. For New England to go in that direction. So, yeah, the Vikings have a bunch of options. You could look at edge pass rush here. Uh, they have some issues there. It seems like they're always rebuilding their defense, but I think now it's a little bit accelerated. They, they got some cornerback help last year, off-field stuff. We don't know how that's going to pan out, but inside linebacker, edge rusher, something extra for their defense, looking at some of the losses they could have with Daniel Hunter and uh, Anthony Barr coming up. So, I think those would be the primo positions. I think maybe if you're going to go for a option two there, those are 1A and 1B, you would look at offensive line. Yeah. Either um, Slater. Elijah Vera Tucker seems to make more sense because he has that guard tackle versatility that you could look at and potentially play left tackle for them at some point. So, yeah, I think that's how it plays out. Uh, I think it's one of those three players for the Vikings if they stay put. And I think the team right before them, the Chargers, are looking offensive line, and it seems like they're zeroing in on a kid who you watch from your alma mater, Northwestern Slater, who um, may, may not get past the Chargers. So let's get to the Bears. Is there any way um, a quarterback falls that far, Vinny? I, I mean, I don't think that – let's say the faller is Justin Fields. I don't think the Patriots let him pass, but for whatever reason, they're not in love with him. Is there a chance that quarter that they're still one of the big five quarterbacks Quarterbacks on the board at twenty. It's uh, highly unlikely, just because the Patriots are living there at fifteen, and you also have Washington. Oh, Washington, 14, sure. 19. Yep. Yeah, so I think that's the problem. But if I'm the Bears, I'm going to be making a few pre-calls to the Chargers. I mentioned you're probably not going to get a division trade, but the Chargers are a team that I think would also entertain some uh, trade-down possibilities here because they have multiple needs. I think. You could go tackle, you could go edge rusher, you could go corner. Charters could do a lot of things, even wide receiver here in the first round. So if you look at that, if they're going to stockpile picks, it's better for them to trade down a little bit and get an opportunity to do so. And 
look, it, it, it's going to be a significant move up there for the Bears, but I think they're willing to be a little bit desperate to go after quarterback here. So, again, 20 to 13, I think that's what you're looking at. The Patriots, if they jump up from 15, they're probably going to be targeting 7 or 8 where the Panthers are. That's probably the most realistic for mm-hmm. a trade without giving a farm. And then you'd say the Bears would do the same thing. And then, likewise, I mean, I think the Washington football team is a bit of out of luck here because you look at 10 and 11, 12, they're all their division rivals. So it, mm. it, that's the kind of the underlying thing in the draft is that you have to be able to find the right trade partner at the right time to go out and get a quarterback. And I, I think the Bears are a strong candidate. I think Washington can. I think with Washington New England, however, the pressure might be to a trade inside the top 10. Well, I think the Bears need to watch fields falling and trade just outside the top 10. Orlando Brown Jr. to the Chiefs. No first-round pick now for Kansas City, but your thoughts overall on this move and 24-year-old, uh, boy, you got a uh, a big, big job in front of you. Just protect that guy that's got a high, half billion dollars coming his way in Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. Yeah, it's very interesting what the Chiefs did, that they go out and actually spend a lot of money on, on Joe Thune to get him at guard, and then they go out and get Orlando Brown, so I think they had this plan in place anyway. I think this Eric Fisher, Jeff Schwartz thing didn't happen just because they were injured. I think they realized, look, we have to get ahead of this and keep the protection intact here. We can't break down or wear down, and that's what you had with Schwartz and Fisher. They simply could not stay healthy as they were getting older. So, Also, then you get a chance to maybe play with a lesser contract before you can figure out the greater contract down the line here at a clean house. So. I think they just want to do in their terms. I think they also sneakily wanted to improve the run blocking here. I think they want to have that consistency where if teams are protecting against deep pass against Mahomes, they can check to Clyde Edward Tolaire and get those big chunks of yards that are available when you spread the field. So that's also, I think, a motivation behind it. So Orlando Brown, we'll see how he holds up at left tackle, but he's going to be helped a lot by Joe Thune. And I could see the Chiefs also uh, upgrading right tackle at some point in this draft to now with uh, a different look that they have those two second-rounders versus uh, that one first-round. Vinny, there's a lot of folks that uh, that uh, f- follow this very closely that say next year is not a good year to be uh, in the market for a quarterback. Two-part question. Might there be a team uh, that has to have a quarterback, settles for that sixth quarterback, if you will, if they assume the top five are gone. So might there be a team that, that works their way into the late first or early second to get that sixth quarterback, and who would that be? Not, not uh, Who would the quarterback be, not necessarily the team? Well, there is a theory that's going around that it's better off if you're going to get a quarterback to get him in the late first versus sometime in the second because you get that four-year contract. It's not much more, but then you have that super cheap contract. I mean, last here, Joe Burrow, I think, was around $38 million. So under $40 million, I mean, that's the beginning of Trevor Lawrence, that you're going to get basically a quarterback for four years around $10 million a year. I mean, that's pretty good. And that's the highest. And so you go in the late first round, you're getting a very bargain deal for a quarterback if that's the guy you believe in that can potentially start here sooner rather than later. So there is that theory. Get the four years. So you look at Kyle Trask, he's a potential guy there. And then Kellen Mond and mm-hmm. David Mills have also gotten uh, some buzz here as uh, potential quarterbacks to go off the board. And sometimes it's about supply and demand. The demand here for a quarterback is higher than the supply. 
even though the supply is pretty darn good, if you look at five first-rounders and all with some special quality. So you might start dipping into these guys. I don't believe that you should just think, okay, next year a quarterback is going to be bad because did we think it was going to be this good last year? No. no. Zach Wilson, Mac Jones emerged. Trey Lance became a thing. Right. So all of a sudden it's really deep. So I could see the same thing develop next year with uh, Sam Howell and uh, – Spencer Rattler and all these other options. All of a sudden, you're going to have three or four guys pop up when we know that everyone will say this is the greatest quarterback class ever. So it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, Joe Burrow would have been, what, a fifth or sixth round pick prior to his final year at LSU, mm-hmm. and he goes number one overall. Vinny Iyer, great stuff, Vinny. Uh, again, I'd love to know how many words you've written on the 2021 draft, but I've uh, read most of them and appreciate what you do for us and what you do at SportingNews.com. Vinny Iyer, thank you as always. We'll talk to you in the weeks ahead. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, good to talk to you. Vinny Iyer uh, from the Sporting News. So, Atlanta at four is? Penny Sewell. Sewell. There's a little bit of a curveball. So, Pitts falls to five, and then what does Cincinnati do? Chase? Pitts? Chase. That's three pretty good wide receivers. And boy. Or do they trade down? Since he never trades. To get Slater or you know whoever that offensive yeah. lineman they like, the kid okay. from USC, if they go even further back, yeah. maybe they trade with the Patriots. The pa- there's a quarterback the Pats really love. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, that's what makes the NFL draft fun is that part of it. It takes me a while to get into it, as you know. <laughs> you would love... you. Would, Tuesday after the Super Bowl, you're ready to talk NFL draft. It well, takes that's because I a- can't wait to get to the midway point of the offseason. But when we're here... When we're the week of, this is the time my juices get flowing. Yeah, likewise. Uh, Round one tomorrow night is appointment TV per moi. We will take a timeout, uh, come back, and finish out our number one. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106. Tools and more. Welcome back. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Again, Mr. Spruing, the scene of the KXNO mock draft uh, gathering tonight. The Fanatics will be there doing their show live. The mock draft will be live on the air. Uh, Mr. Spruing in Ankeny. Trent Condon will be there in a cast of what, five. Yeah. But sounds Andrew like Downs time. is going to be out there. Good. He'll be helping out and uh, should be a great time. Got the draft board, as you saw. I did. Looks great. Thank you to Andy Woodley. Who's, who's going to be actually the person that puts the name on the board? I, I think that's a good job for AD. He's got a lot of, techni- he's got a lot yeah. of technical things. Is he listening in there? Well, he's gone. I'm, oh, he is? Okay. You, I saw you looking over in the other Well, Because he was in there. He's yeah. no longer in there. <laughs> His ears probably pricked up when he heard that one. We'll find somebody. I know uh, Russ and everybody at Graphite Construction Group, they have yeah. a lot of their people that are coming to to help out. So there'll be plenty of hands out there, and we it's a real draft board that we have put together. I'm, I'm anxious to see how it yeah. goes. We'll have pictures up, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. Follow us everywhere, Instagram, and you can uh, stay up to date. And then after you get off work, stop on out, have some fun with us here this evening. Well, it seems like it's a big place, Trent. I you think did, there should be plenty of that, room for That's everybody. what I've always heard, is the place is really, right. really big. I'm, you I'm anxious Dolls to get Supermarket. You know, big dolls here. Yeah. Right. There, there's got to be room for that. Absolutely. So, uh, local front. Mm-hmm. Chiefs, nothing. Nothing. Vikings, and is 14. it? Offensive line? Yep. Or edge rusher. Or edge rusher. Yeah. Bears at 20 are... 
I don't know if they stay at 20. Is there a quarterback that drafts falls in their lap? I don't I can't see it. Kellen Mond? <laughs> yeah, I know it's too early. Right. Uh, offensive line. Offensive line, which is going to be like I It's don't know, so fart boring church, when that happens, right? but yes. more times than not it's a good it's choice. It's the right move. Right. Right for the And then we're looking at Packers. Uh, so what about ways. Julio Jones to to Green Bay? If Finney's right and Julio Jones is going to move, I don't know. They they get Aaron Rodgers some help, and this isn't an Ocket Lazard company, right? Get him some help. I mean, Jordan Love's never going to play. What a waste of a pick! Unbelievable. Well, Rodgers is going to be that. out of there soon. He's leaving Green Bay. We'll see. Uh, Vin, uh, Vinny Iyer, David Kaplan joins us next. Centurion Stone sponsors Miller and Condon with an hour to go on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.